So hello and welcome to this Investec podcast. I'm pleased to be joined by Christian Hess, who is Private Equity Client Group Head here at Investec. How are you today, Christian? I'm good. How are you? Yes, not too bad. So today we're going to be discussing the increase of failed auctions in recent years, as shown by our data. But uh, first and foremost, for the listeners, Christian, could you, in your own words, define uh, a failed auction, please? So the way we define a failed auction is where there was a positive board approval to have a company be readied for the M&A market, where despite that being ready for it and being taken to the market in whichever form, mm. either through a wide process or through a narrow process, it has not achieved what it was meant to achieve, i.e. There, there has been no positive announcement of an M&A transaction being signed and completed. Okay, okay. so let's, let's dive into the data a bit. So what, what does the data show at the moment? So the data shows, um, in particular in the last 18 months, um, a real um, strong increase um, in the absolute number of failed processes. Mm. Um, so the absolute number that we have on a source data basis analyzed, and this is across Europe, is at an all-time high as of the end of December 2019 at a count of 282 failed okay. auctions. And why would you say the failed auctions are increasing then? So if you ask me, had I expected the number to spike that much? Um, uh, probably not. But have we seen a fairly consistent increase quarter on quarter, half year and half year, year on year? Yes, we have. Okay. So uh, the way I would rationalize it is um, on the one hand, we are probably entering the ninth year for seller's market mm. where um, the overall market environment is still very productive um, from, you know, from a seller's perspective or should be very productive from a seller's perspective, um, which then also probably means that um, those assets that, you know, in the last couple of years um, maybe needed a bit more work uh, to actually be ready for market, um, you know, they're being tested now in a, in a sort of high watermark market whether one, one gets lucky yeah, uh, in this market. Sure. So I think that's one element. I think the other element is that, um, and this is, I think, where it's going to be very important from a management team's perspective as well, you know, really listen very carefully to what you're being promised, if you're being mm. promised anything, by advisors, both in terms of valuation, but also in terms of buyer universe and in, in terms of your own investment case positioning, because um, there may well be um, a, a delta between what is reality and what that advisor is trying to project into the marketplace. And if that, if that delta is too big, I think you're re-risking mm. creating a failed auction. Okay, I see. And, and so let's move on a little bit. I just wanted to focus on now the sectors and, and geographies which you feel might be most affected. So please, please explain yeah, where, where you think that might be in terms of the sectors and geographies. So coming back to what we said earlier, so in particular in the last 18 months, um, compared to, for example, 24 months ago, um, let, let, me, let me identify a couple of differences between those two. So 24 months ago and three years ago, the um, breakdown of those failed auctions by geography um, and by sector would have been more or less in line with the overall LBO volume spread between geographies okay. um, and, and between countries. In the last uh, 18 months in particular, uh, we have detected um, one outlier each um, in the context of geographies. The UK is an outlier. So if the UK contributes something like 36% to the overall LBO volume in Europe, 
the failed auction count has it contributed 54%. And then you ask yourself, well, could there be a logical reason for that? And I think one of the logical reasons um, identifiable is obviously with the unknowns around Brexit, mm -hmm. election, and so forth. Um, I think that's a pertinent one, but pr probably not the only one. Um, and then when you go into sectors, um, the sector that is, like the UK, is for geography, uh, a positive outlier uh, compared to its contribution to the LBO volume as consumer and retail. Um, and that's across Europe, uh, which again, you know, when you try to rationalize that, it's probably not super surprising that in the context of um, you know, a low on the one hand, a low inflation environment, but on the other hand, one environment where it's quite difficult to to with conviction, you know, forecast mm. um, given the economic outlook in various different countries, given you know global trade wars and so forth, consumer behaviors and patterns going forward is not as easy as it was in the past. Okay, and so you've, you've touched upon factors which impact in the sectors and the geographies. So, generally, why do auctions fail themselves? So what we've done, because these 282 failed auctions is actually a line-by-line -line analysis, so mm. they're all source data. And what has, that has allowed us to do is that we can actually bottom-up build up a picture and allocate reasons for failure to each and every single one of those, those single lines. Um, so we have done that, um, effectively allocating six different reasons for failure. So some of those deals have just one reason that we've identified, mm -hmm. but equally there's others who have you know three reasons. Right. And what that has allowed us to do is to build up on a source data basis a repository of almost ranking the reasons for failure. And in that way, we've identified um, the three most representative reasons for failure, uh, which in this order mm. are inadequate investment case positioning or incorrect investment case positioning. That's the delta I talked about earlier. Mm. Uh, the second is wrong process architecture. Um, so an example of that is um, too many um, sell side advisors and, and vendors still believe that you know there's safety in numbers in the sense of if I send out 40 IMs, I have optimized the mathematical chances of finding the right buyer. Whereas our data shows and our experience as yeah. sales advisors also shows that actually um, you're just creating 40 free options on the buy side as opposed to really sitting yourself down and thinking about, well, who actually are, given this investment case, mm. the five most pertinent buyers who, once our business is on their platform, can generate incremental growth over and above what they can do by themselves or what we can do by ourselves. And that, that requires quite a bit of experience mm. um, and access. Um, and then the third one is incorrect screening of the buyer universe, um, which is a subset of that. And what we have found mathematically that between those three they explain over 75 percent of the failure rate so in the in the timing subset that we um looked at here they represent 78 percent of the failure rate okay brilliant and so let's let's move on again so in your opinion how can vendors protect themselves so um if you are a vendor um, and you already have a very clear view yourself of the differentiators of your investment case, I think that's a, that's a good starting point. Um, mm -hmm. If you are a vendor who already has a clear view on who those, to illustrate the point I made earlier, who those five differentiated buyers are for that investment case, that's, that's a good starting point. 
But if you don't have that view, and by the way, it's getting increasingly difficult to have that view, um, mm. g given just how global the bio-universe has become, in particular in the last five years, and changes all the time, mm. um, you will probably look to your advisor and to the advisors you're speaking to to help, you know, in a complementary way, have their views shared. And, and ultimately, I think the most important thing is that it's a real team effort. So you're working together as a team, and I talked about complementarity, which I'm a big believer in, that you bring the strength of different people and different teams together in one transaction team, and you're really joined at the hip, rather than um, just being the fulfiller of a mechanical M&A process, which does not allow itself to be thoughtful enough with regards to addressing those three reasons for failure and putting against those um, very good analysis and access points in terms of procuring the right outcome for what should be an, you know, a, a strong investment case being positioned in the right way to the right buy universe. So Christian, we've got data going back to 2008. However, I'd like to have a, a look forward if possible. Could you give your perspective on longer term trends if possible? So um, I said earlier that we are probably entering the ninth year of a seller's market. Um, not, not too many people, including myself, will be able to remember time periods where we can actually say that we're entering the ninth year of a seller's market mm -hmm. and then maybe from, from 2021, uh, the 10th year of a seller's market. So I think one of the questions is how long will a seller's market actually you know, continue to, to be there for vendors? And then how relevant is that for a vendor? Uh, and my perspective on that is if you really have a good company which has all the ingredients to be a, a potentially successful sell-side process, you should be able to get a very good result even if you're not in a seller's market. In a funny sort of way, I almost hope a little bit um, that um, there's a little bit of froth maybe that comes out of the market and that people ask themselves you know, the honest and the right questions um, before they actually start a process. Because if we all do that collectively, that 282 number, which is just way too big, should come down again. Mm. And if I, look at an, if I look at an average over the last 10, 11 years, as you say, since 2008 when I started the data set, you know, across Europe, there should not be more you know, than, than 100 or 90 failed auctions, um, right? So I think we have a collective responsibility almost to, to bring that almost 300 number uh, down back to 100 or so, which would suggest to me a sort of a, a good average number on, a, on an annualized basis. Brilliant. Christian, it's been very insightful. Thank you for joining us. Um, and if you have any more questions or, or, or any questions for Christian about the data itself, please do get in touch. Christian, thank you. Thank you.